Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Today is August 19th, 2021, and our first story, breaking news. A man claiming to have a bomb outside of the Library of Congress has surrendered. Many buildings were evacuated, and new polling shows that it is bipartisan. The majority of people in this country believe we are headed to a certain degree towards a second civil war. In our next story, the Biden administration once again AWOL, Kamala Harris nowhere to be found, The White House chief of staff won't give interviews. What's happening in Afghanistan? If it were not for, dare I say, CNN, we probably wouldn't know. But I'll give credit to social media as well. I'm grateful to those on the ground because this administration isn't telling us what's happening. And in our last story, the food and labor shortage is getting worse. We take a deep dive to explore why this is happening and what may come. Pay attention, folks. Several stores are being shut down over a lack of food. So something big may be coming. Now, before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the show, tell your friends about it. It's really important. That's the number one way to help a podcast grow. Now, let's get into that first story. Today, several buildings in Washington, D.C. were shut down and several were evacuated after a man in a pickup truck claimed to have an explosive device that would be triggered by decimals, although it is believed he meant decibels, the threat was taken seriously, a standoff ensued, and as of right now, the man has surrendered. It's all over, and it appears to be safe. Now, the man also broadcast a statement on Facebook. Facebook deleted his profile. They deleted the live stream. And I have to be honest, I'm, I, I was also reluctant to even show the article which depicts his face because we don't like giving these people attention. But in his stream, he said, the revolution starts today, Joe Biden. And he said, I'm one of five. Now, we don't know what he meant by oh, I'm one of five. Some people think he's saying that there's more than just him in D.C., though I don't think that's true. He may have been referring to his family. Now, it is true that in this country, we are so divided that things seem to be getting more and more chaotic. And that I don't know if that's unique to today, 
because we did see the weather underground in the 70s. We did see the Vietnam protests. There was extremism back then as well. We also had what happened at Kent State. To say that we are equal to, on par, or worse than, it's, it's hard to know for sure. But new polling by the People's Pundit shows that it's bipartisan. Both sides think we are headed towards another civil war to a certain degree. That it's, well, I should say it's considered to be more likely than not. And that to me is particularly worrying, but not surprising because I've talked about it quite a bit. When you take a look at any polling, you can see the stark ideological divide. You can see that Democrats will just support Biden no matter what. Republicans oppose him no matter what. And it's really frustrating. Independent voters, of course, lean away from the support. They lean towards disapproval of Joe Biden and the economy. But I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, Joe Biden will say something. And immediately I say I see conservatives just saying it was bad. Whatever he's saying is bad. Whatever, whatever he's doing is bad. And I'm like, come on. Like, look, I get it. The president is doing a terrible job, in my opinion, but not every single thing he says is wrong. Of course, not every single person on the right, but certainly the tribalism runs deep. As much as I don't like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, and I think the administration is hiding and, and basically struggling to maintain any kind of professionalism amid this crisis, I still think there are some things we can give them credit for and try to encourage better behavior. But you've also got people ragging on CNN because their reporters are on the ground just trying to find that reason. Now, to me, I just see this and I'm like, people want some kind of conflict. And I hope we don't go there. I don't want anything like that to happen. Life is comfortable. At least it was more comfortable before, I suppose, with the pandemic and the lockdown, things seem to be getting worse. But you do not want to see the things that I and, and many others have seen in other parts of the, of, of the world. And don't take it from me. I'm sure there are many veterans who can tell you stories substantially worse than the stories I could tell you. Yeah, I covered civil conflict and unrest and traveled to some third world countries. I didn't see actual, you know, theater of war in like Syria or anything like that. You know, the stories I hear about that are substantially worse. So as much as I don't want these things to happen, it seems like these things keep happening. And I always tell everybody that the true, the true way out of this, it's peaceful, persuasive, and resourceful. It is nonviolent civil disobedience. You need to understand fourth and fifth generational warfare. What this man did is one of the most detrimental things to any successful American society, no matter what side you are on. Now, it's easy. The left will just pick, of course, he's a, he's a Trump-supporting wingnut. Easy for them to condemn. And obviously, the right condemns it as well. But for this guy to claim to be a Trump supporter, something like that, all this does is make everything worse. Now, I understand it's an uphill battle. The mainstream media is lopsided in favor of the left, but this stuff is not is not not good. You take a look at the polling and it seems to back up that we're heading down dark paths or, or a dark path. But let's read the news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to the exclusive TimCast members only, uh, TimCast IRL member segments um, on TimCast.com, as well as an ad-free experience on the website. You will also be helping to support our fierce and independent journalists. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this with your friends. Let's read the news. And, and I'll also stress to look, it's breaking news. We have to talk about this. YouTube punishes channels for doing this, which is why we set up TimCast.com. It's very likely that this video will be demonetized, deranked, and kicked to the gutter. 
But uh, we'll start with the raw story, actually, so you can get some context as to what this guy was saying. And and and, I will, and then I will show the AP breaking down. He did surrender. So no need to worry for, for now. We'll see how things play out. From raw story and also, which is a left outlet. The revolution starts today, Joe Biden. I'm one of five in video drive uh, in, in video driving to the U.S. Capitol. Floyd Ray Roseberry appears to be the suspect sitting in his pickup truck outside the Library of Congress in D.C., with an alleged explosive device, posted several videos of his drive to the building Thursday on social media. In his videos, he began talking about how his health insurance wouldn't pay for him for anything anymore. He said he'd been getting injections in his knees to help him walk. When he went to the doctor, he said that the insurance didn't cover him. He went on to say that his wife had skin cancer, but that the insurance wouldn't cover it either because they considered it cosmetic. He said that his wife had had to have her nose practically removed. I cleared my conscience with God, he said, noting that he told his wife he'd be home on Sunday, whichever home it is. He wanted to say he had no fear. He went on to claim he is one of five, but didn't clarify what that meant. I'm not going to read quotes from this guy. You get the idea. The AP reports man surrenders after claiming to have bombed near Capitol. The man who claimed of a bomb in a pickup truck near the U.S. Capitol has surrendered to law enforcement ending an hours-long standoff on Thursday. The man identified by law enforcement officials as Floyd Ray Roseberry, 49 of North Carolina, crawled out of his vehicle and was being taken into custody shortly before 2.30 p.m. He had pulled up outside the library earlier in the day and told police he had a bomb in his truck. An officer saw what appeared to be a detonator in the man's hand. The man had been negotiating with police during a standoff that lasted around five hours. They say this is a breaking news update. So by the time you watch this, there's probably much, much more information. I, I pushed the production of this one really, really close to, to, to launch time um, just to try and make sure we had the most updated information because this is important. The AP reported that a man sitting in a black pickup truck parked on the sidewalk outside the Library of Congress and told police he had a bomb. He had a bomb. Officials evacuated a number of buildings around the Capitol and sent snipers to the area after officers saw a man holding what looked like a detonator inside the pickup truck, which had no license plates. They go on to mention the name of the man, which we know. Police negotiators were communicating with Roseberry as he wrote notes and showed, showed them to authorities from inside the truck. According to two people in the third person also briefed on the matter, all of whom spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to publicly discuss the matter. Authorities were trying to determine whether it was an operable bomb, the official said. Police gave no immediate details on his motive or any demands. My negotiators are hard at work trying to have a peaceful resolution to the incident, U.S. Capitol Police Chief J. Thomas Manger said. We're trying to get as much information as we can to find a way to peacefully resolve this. So again, we know that it did end in a peaceful resolution. The Capitol building was put in lockdown, the White House, the Library of Congress. And I believe that we also saw uh, the Supreme Court the, uh, so so we, have, we so again, this is a developing story, hard to track all the different sources, but the Supreme Court was evacuated and the House office building was also evacuated. Now we have this from Facebook. They removed the live stream by the man claiming to, to, to have the bomb, uh, a more important context. And I think uh, what I'm ultimately going to get into here, because I, 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 I struggle with showing this guy, I struggle with reading what he had to say or why he was doing it, because I don't want to give these people attention. So to the extent that I read that story, for, you know, eight whatever minutes. Okay, well, let's talk about what's happening in this country and the partisan nature of, of, of what this is. And first, I will say of this man, he is, he is said to have, uh, I believe one report said he was bipolar. I am not going to take this to say, uh, you know, any one group is responsible. 
This is a lone individual who is clearly unwell, who has surrendered, and hopefully this resolves things. But as we saw with the raw story, one of the things they highlight was his medical insurance. Jen Dees tweeted, Capital Bomb Suspect talks about how health insurance wouldn't pay for anything anymore. He said he'd been getting injections in his knees to help him walk. The insurance didn't cover him and his wife had skin cancer, but insurance wouldn't cover it. Kevin Gostola, a journalist, says blowback against political elites like Biden, Clyburn and Pelosi, who have sold Americans to health insurance corporations for exploitation. Certainly, many on the left are now talking about how this is an example of the establishment elites selling out the little guy. Now, over on the right, and this trend isn't necessarily indicative of what everyone on the right is saying, you have many people saying false flag. There are many people acting like this individual was, was somehow involved with an operation to frame Trump supporters or something like that. As you can see, MAGA terrorists is currently trending on Twitter. I don't know if any of that's true. Of course not. I can't say it is or it isn't, but I typically lean towards provide me evidence or I'm just not going to entertain it at all and will operate under the assumption at the very least that it's not true. But the reason I highlight these things is to show you the different perspectives coming from different individuals. You've got the left saying, you know, Trump people are terrorists. You've got some leftists, as I've shown you, saying that this is this is about health care and the establishment selling out the working class. And then you've got some people saying that it's a false flag. And then, of course, you have the pushback saying y'all are making up crazy nonsense. Whatever whatever this is, I can say that things have been getting worse I just easiest way to put it, conflict seems to be escalating. And as I mentioned before, you know, we've seen in the 70s that things were really, really bad. You know, we, we had uh, the Vietnam protests with the weather underground. So so maybe it's not as bad as it was then. Some people, uh, older people probably say, oh, it was worth that worse then because of what the weather underground was doing. I mean, they were they were doing shock and awe campaigns and uh, message bombings, they called it, meaning they weren't targeting people uh, for the most part. They were just trying to send a message in the, in the press, which is still rather nightmarish. But, you know, in these in these conversations, many still will concede the divide today is rather extreme and, and much more than it was back then. There was still some national cohesion. We don't have that so much anymore. Rich Barris, the People's Pundit, conducted a poll and he posted this to his locals page, the cross tabs for the Civil War question. Well, let's pull it up. In this poll, likelihood of a second civil war by party detail, asking how likely is it the United States of America is headed for another civil war or widespread political violence that leads to significant division? Base, very likely, 443, somewhat likely, 762, somewhat unlikely, 386, very unlikely, 203, and unsure, no opinion was 216. The sample size was 2010. My friends, 2000 is a large sample size. That's big. You know, when they do polls, not to say that all polls are perfect, and there's a lot of math that goes into it. The idea is they ask a certain number of people that represent the public at large. They get a sample size and then extrapolate. Here's what we can see. The total amount of individuals who believe that a second civil war is likely 22%. A fifth of this country believe us a second civil war is likely. The percentage of people who believe a second civil war is somewhat likely, 37.9, just about a third of this country. <laughs> that means we're looking at 59.9% of this country believing 
it is at least to some degree likely there is a second civil war coming. Almost 60% of those that think it's unlikely, it's 19.2, very unlikely, 10.1, and unsure, 10.7. The unsure is the one that really gets me because that basically, like, like, come on. You go to someone and say, what do you think the likelihood that aliens are going to land on the planet? They're going to be like, none, zero, 1.01. People are pretty sure of a thing that won't happen. So when you ask someone, do they think there'll be a second civil war and 10.7% say, you know, I'm not entirely sure. They're saying maybe, maybe. Now, when you look by party, it gets interesting. 20.2% of Democrats think it is very likely. 20.1% of independents, very likely. Something else, some other party. 14.4 and Republicans even more so at 26.9. But my friends, it is bipartisan. As the People's Pundit said, it is bipartisan. It is nearly identical numbers. It's more more Republicans believe that we are heading towards the Second Civil War than Democrats. But Democrats are not far behind. 35.6 believe it's somewhat likely. That's Democrat voters. 43.8% of people who don't identify as Democrat, Republican, or independent believe it's likely. 38.8% of independents believe it is likely. That is, so we also have 58.9% of independent voters saying it is somewhat, it is to some degree likely there will be a second civil war. These are the things I think people need to pay attention to. You know, because I've been saying it that I think it's the direction we're headed in unless something changes. And the, I, I got to be honest, the only thing I saw that I think actually might have a substantial change to the system is Joe Biden's failure in Afghanistan, because there is now bipartisan condemnation of the presidential administration and they're they're effectively in hiding. But just because people don't like the establishment doesn't mean they will like each other. Right now, I look at many of these these leftists and they're just they're tribalist. And I mean it leftist. I I, I often clarify when I say Democrat or leftist. No, they're still tribalist. I get leftists on, on Twitter, not Democrats, who just lie all day about me and about the things I've said because they just want to hate. It's not this, the Democrats are different. The Democratic establishment goes after me in, in, in somewhat illegitimate means, meaning they'll write things out of context, which is not too dissimilar, but they'll try and frame it as like a more professional, like, well, actually he's done these things. So you make up your mind and it's all just BS basically, but it's irrelevant. One of the things that they've often tried smearing me over is that I've routinely said uh, hundreds of times that I think we are headed in the direction of civil war. What will that look like? I don't entirely know. It could be states breaking away. It could be regions breaking away. It could be a peaceful dissolution. It could be sporadic street violence and anarcho-tyranny. I honestly don't know. We are in fourth and fifth generational warfare, meaning propaganda owns all. And that's why I keep saying, you know, I'm just, I get so annoyed by these people who, 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 who talk about physical action or violence, be it left or right, because I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're doing. Probably what rallied more people against Black Lives Matter than anything else was the violence from those people. So when the Black Lives Matter protesters go out and the Antifa protesters go out smashing things, they lose support. It was painful for their cause, but they don't care to listen. It's amazing. Net support for Black Lives Matter is in the gutter. It's well below where it was over a year and a half ago. 
peaking around George, the George Floyd incident, the riots destroyed all of the public goodwill. Don't be stupid. We are not in the era of violence. That's long, long ago. It is over. We are in the era of propaganda and information warfare. It used to be that you used people used violence because they needed to gain control of something. They wanted to control a system, a government, a pop, you know, a population, resources. And so what would they do? They would come in and force people. They would take it. Now, that doesn't work. It breeds resistance groups. I mean, that was always the case, especially with any kind of subjugation. It was very difficult to pull off without their forming resistance. Now they use propaganda and you get the population to go along with you, which is why it's so important to be peaceful, persuasive and resourceful to explain to people honestly and with integrity. Now, I get it. Many of these people uh, on the left lie, cheat and steal. They want communism. They want socialism. They'll call it anarchy, but they really want some kind of communism. And they'll lie to get it. You can't you can't play that game. There's no ends. They believe the ends justify the means, but they're wrong. That's why they're despots, despots and tyrants, petty tyrants. That's why they're authoritarians, because using coercion, manipulation and physical force is authoritarian. And that's not what we are fighting for figuratively. I should, or I should say politically fighting. What we want is to be left alone. Perhaps the non-aggression principle. Interestingly, not all left libertarians actually subscribe to the belief that you shouldn't aggress against someone, which is something I find very strange. But this is where we're at right now. I want to show you the oblivious nature of the establishment. Sam Harris. You know, never listened to Sam Harris a whole lot. I've heard some of his stuff, but I think he is... I, I am not a fan. We'll put it that way. I'll try and keep things uh, um, a bit more tepid than I probably would like to. No, Sam, Sam is, is, is a terrible political pundit, in my opinion. He should not be engaging in this political rhetoric because he only exposes that he has no idea what's happening in this country. But I think it's important to highlight because Sam represents what a lot of Democrats believe, and he has a popular podcast. Sam Harris tweets, Biden achieves near Trumpian negligence here. But unlike Trump, those reputation, uh, unlike Trump, whose reputation among his fans was magically shielded from earthly damage, Biden can't get away with being a callous moron in an emergency. And he shouldn't. This is all just sickening. I'll tell you the problem with this tweet. First of all, he's correct in criticizing Biden. The problem is Trump supporters regularly criticized Trump. It's, 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 not, it's not even a question. I, I tell the story all the time. I get into a cab and the guy tells me he voted for Trump, but he wished Trump would just shut up. But Trump did have his zealots, the people who believe Trump could do no wrong, no matter what he said. They existed, but they're the exception, not the rule. Now, I, as someone who voted for Trump in the last election, can easily point out bad things Trump did. Missile strikes in Syria, commando raids, of course, criticizing him when he deserves to be criticized. But Sam Harris is acting like that doesn't exist. And this is important. Biden achieves near Trumpian negligence. His reputation was, among his fans was magically shielded, but not high. I'll criticize Joe Biden. Yes, of course. And I criticized Trump and voted for the guy, too. You're not special. You see, Sam represents the, the ignorance of these people who would believe the economy is good right now and vote Democrat. And that's people like Sam Harris. And they are the blind leading the blind. There are very serious problems in this country. But so long as Sam Harris pushes these lies because he doesn't do any 
inch of research, any bit, you get high profile individuals who don't know what they're talking about, leading other people into hate. Many zealots supported Trump. No matter what he said and did, they would never see him as doing anything wrong. And I already complained about tribalists on the right condemning literally every single thing that Donald Trump will say. And I see it with Jen Psaki as well. It's like, look, there's a lot of things to criticize her over. But it's so strange to me when they try and nitpick everything. When, when, when we had CNN's reporter, Clarissa Ward, on the ground in Afghanistan saying, she made a comment about what the Taliban had been saying, everybody took out one of the lines. I saw many conservatives do this. She said that they're chanting death to America, but they also seem friendly. It's bizarre. And I saw the quote posted over and over again by conservatives with conservatives, but they cut out the part where she said it's bizarre. Clearly, her point was that being friendly did not make sense considering they were chanting such violent things. My personal opinion, it was obvious and perhaps poorly worded on Clarissa Ward's part, but I respect the fact that she's on the ground as a woman filming the Taliban. I think that's great. I'm glad CNN's doing it. And that's what we should encourage. CNN, do more of that. We don't like you for your unhinged nonsense over Trump, but I will absolutely praise Clarissa Ward's coverage on the ground in Afghanistan. Why? The Biden administration is basically AWOL right now. If y'all can't recognize that sometimes people you don't like do good things, we are doomed. And it's about time people wake up and start saying things like, it is good that Biden withdrew, withdrew our force from Afghanistan, but he did it wrong. Criticize him heavily for that. It is good that Joe Biden is speaking to the press. Thank you. But his administration is basically nowhere to be found. Where's, where's Kamala? Jen Psaki on vacation. Chief of staff won't give interviews to the press. And Biden's lying. We want to encourage the good things, okay? We want to discourage the bad things. And that means you may lean in a certain direction, but we cannot just say no matter what Biden is always bad. I mean, he's mostly bad a lot of the times, and it's very easy to see. Trump had his bad moments, and I think for a lot of reasons he was bad. But people just want to hate. Now, to to address Sam Harris acting like the, the noble Biden supporters will criticize him while the Trump supporters would never criticize Trump. You just got a Google search culture war. And what do you see? How the right wing is using, using Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal to start a new culture war from Salon. Right wing media already bored with bashing Biden over Afghanistan. Return to the culture war. They're, of course, acting like it is the Republicans pounce because people just want to hate. People need to wake up. Here's what I think. Donald Trump, insurgent candidate, Bernie Sanders, insurgent candidate, both with their merits. Bernie Sanders caved the establishment and sold out, changed his positions and embraced wokeness. Donald Trump, insurgent candidate, made it in. I didn't vote for, for, for Trump. I didn't vote for anybody, to be completely honest, even though I was like very fervently pro Bernie at the time. I didn't vote for Trump. 2020, I did. Because I looked at what the establishment was. We had Donald Trump storming the gates of the Republican establishment and, and, and negotiating withdrawal from Afghanistan. I'm happy about that. I'm sad to see what's happening. I think it could have been done better. I think Biden screwed this up. But I still think in the end, for all of the problems, Joe Biden was right to withdraw. But he did it in such a way that I'm really worried about the Americans that are left remaining. And I think they royally screwed this one up. And now we're going to face the negative consequences as a nation. But I will not just say everything he says is wrong, 
People coming out saying his speech was terrible. Oh, it was awful. I'm like, he made several good points. I'm glad he sent them as a president vindicating so many anti-war left and right wing individuals, many conservatives who have been complaining about Afghanistan for a long time, waking up to the problems. Of course, the neocons wanted it. You can't just sit here and blame the other side and act like everyone is perfect. Now, I'm not trying to say it's both sides do it. It's it's equal. It's not equal. It is not equal. As I stated, you had many moderates and conservatives criticizing Trump and recognizing this. You have many Democrats refusing to acknowledge Joe Biden, but you do get people like Sam Harris acknowledging it. The problem is he then acts like Trump supporters never did. I'll acknowledge Sam Harris doing that. Will he not acknowledge the criticism that that prominent Trump supporters gave Trump? I mean, Mike Cernovich criticized Trump frequently and people got mad at him for it, but he was being honest with you. We need to we need to think about the reality here. You get all these articles, right? You get this these, this polling that is it's so obvious we are we are I don't know man in trouble. Joe Biden job approval among Democrats, eighty six percent. There's no reality among those people. He can do no wrong. Then you have among Republicans, ninety four percent disapproval. I can understand the disapproval. I really, really can. I do not approve personally of Joe Biden's job as president, and I am not a Republican, nor will I be. I despise the Republican Party. There's a few people in the Republican Party that run as Republicans that I can respect, and there's some fighters I can respect for their spirit, though I disagree. Always been a big fan of the Paul family because they're very libertarian and want to respect other people's rights, and they don't like the Federal Reserve. I don't either. I can respect that. The Republican Party just at 94% says Joe Biden is bad. I suppose you're allowed to. Or I'm sorry, they disapprove of his job. But this makes sense. What, what would they have to be excited about? I mean, Joe Biden's he's been in, it's, it's been now just, a, what, seven months. The economy is awful. We've got an Afghanistan crisis, rising oil prices, shutting down Keystone, giving the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. There is everything to to, to disapprove of him over. What do people have to approve of? We get one thing, American Rescue Plan. That's the only thing that civics actually displays. Now, independent voters, typically where I I fall. And it makes sense. 57% of independent voters disapprove, 32% approve. And you know what? If I was to apply on a scale of like one to 10, my disapproval, it'd probably be a six out of 10. No, I'm sorry. It'd be a seven or an eight out of 10. But that means you still get a two or three in terms of things Biden can be praised for. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch, you know, but the the speech he gave had problems. I'd give it a C plus. I, I, I heard from conservatives like it was the worst speech. Oh, I can't believe it. And I'm like, really? You know, when he said we shouldn't be fighting a war, the Afghans won't fight themselves. I'm like, he's right. When I'm not, I'm not going to pass this off to the next president. I'm going to move forward with this. He's right. It was the right thing to say and do. When he says I inherited it from Trump. Yeah, okay, come on. You campaigned for that job. You don't get to pass it off to Trump. But people are like, he's blaming the Afghans. I'm like, he is. Yeah. And it's not entirely the fault of the Afghan security forces. Biden botched the withdrawal. No joke. No, hands down. Mark Milley might retire now. You take a look. I don't want to rehash all the Afghanistan stuff. The point is, what I'm trying to bring up is the divide in this country. Something needs to change. Democrats right now, 
68% believe the country is going in the right direction. Why? Simply because Joe Biden was inaugurated. Look at the charts. That's the only thing that matters to people. Is that not insane? I mean, you guys recognize the insanity of that, right? You look at Republicans. Now, this one's interesting. Among Republicans, it's not, uh, they believe 93% were in the wrong direction, but it's not due to Joe Biden being inaugurated. It's due to election day. Up until election day, Republicans were believing that we were heading in the right direction. And then once Joe Biden got elected, it flipped. So it's different. It's not based on the inauguration. It's based on the election. But come on, is it? I suppose I get it, right? You're like what Trump, you know, what, what Joe Biden would bring about and what he wants to do is the wrong direction for this country. That absolutely makes sense that I, I get that. OK, and I, and I get that to a certain degree with Democrats as well. Independence, however, don't track alongside either. The election of the president had very little to do with uh, whether or not they felt good or bad about the, uh, you know, the right or wrong direction in the country. Many independent voters did feel that after the election, we were heading in, uh, we, we, we were not heading in the right direction. More became unsure, but didn't say wrong direction. I think that's important. Independent voters across the board have always believed we are going in the wrong direction. I think that applies to me today. I think it applies probably a lot of you. And I think a lot of you can recognize that the, the, the inherent tribalism, the overt tribalism. We've got to be honest and we've got to be, I don't know what the right word is. We, 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 we don't want to compromise our values, especially to evil ideas like critical race applied principles. But we do have to at least at least hold ourselves to certain standards and principles. I'm not going to pretend to be perfect. Not at all. I think I'm wrong a lot. And, and, and there's some certain ethical conundrums that I can't rectify within my own personal beliefs because we are just humans. We're not perfect. We're not computers with logic gateways in that sense. Sometimes we have multiple ideas that seem not to make sense. Morality is hard. You know, I talked about vaccine mandates uh, for, uh, for workplaces and that I'm, I think it's fine if a company wants to do it. People got mad. I'm like, if, if, I'm thinking small business, though. I'm not thinking massive multinational corporation or I'm thinking like a small handful of employees. And but therein lies the bigger question. Do you support vaccine mandates for the workplace? Well, it's not so simple, is it? There's a bunch of different factors. And then some people say, what about requiring other medications like birth control? And it's like, well, now we're getting into personal moral questions about values. And those are hard to quantify. I'm not going to pretend to have the answers. In fact, that's the antithesis of what I try to do here. I don't have all the answers. I can read a lot of this stuff. I can ask a lot of interesting questions, and I can point out things that may be probabilistic based on this information. But ultimately, I want you to decide. And right now, I think we need people to wake up to the nuance. Here's the reality. People on the right have a tendency towards respecting the nuance, and people on the left don't, which was my point with Sam Harris. I, I can't stand these stories, man. The story, the standoff, whatever, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The full picture of what's about to happen in Afghanistan is starting to come into focus, and my friends, I hope you are prepared for a shock news cycle, something that you will probably have to shield your children from. There's up to 15,000 Americans still in Afghanistan. They can't get to the airport, in Kabul at least, because scared Afghan citizens are 
blocking the roads. The Taliban has set up checkpoints. And there is a concern that the Taliban is going to start executing, well, let's just say more people because they've already been doing it. Apparently, they're going after journalists now. And I know a lot of people joke about journalists being bad people and, oh, you know, but come on, like the, the, the people on the ground reporting in Afghanistan are not the same as the woke rage bait cultists that live in New York City. A lot of these people may be Afghan citizens who are legitimately filming videos and getting us information. And, and the reason why I'm going to defend the journalists on the ground in Afghanistan is for one, there's a big difference, like I said, between conflict reporters and between rage bait garbage trash in, in New York City. But the other issue is we would not know about what was going on there because the Biden administration seems to have collapsed. Mark Milley now, according to one report from Jack Posobiec, may be on the verge of resigning amid the chaos. Where's Kamala Harris? Biden's just on TV lying and Jen Psaki's on vacation. The chief of staff apparently won't be giving an interview. And the only reason we know anything about what's happening is because there are journalists on the ground. And it's and it's rather shocking to say, but CNN has a reporter, a woman on the ground in a particularly dangerous situation. And people are ragging on her because she said um, she, she said one bit that they're chanting death to America, but they seem quite friendly. Now, I certainly think it was naive to report that way because you could have said something like they're tolerating our presence because we're broadcasting their victory chants. There's a difference. But I, I don't see it as that big of a deal. In fact, I'm grateful to Clarissa Ward for being on the ground. It's certainly not a safe thing to be doing. And I'm in, I have to be honest, I despise CNN. But I will take whatever I can get right now. And I don't hold it against the individual reporters on the ground. They're risking their lives. That's a fact. Big difference between someone being on the ground and these, these rage bait trash political writers in New York City. You got me defending CNN now. Why? What am I supposed to do? I, we need to see what's happening. We've, we've got American citizens trapped in Afghanistan, unable to evacuate. What do you think is going to happen when the Taliban starts going door to door, when they start patrolling neighborhoods, setting up checkpoints? Are these Americans going to be cowering and hiding in basements? It may be. And this may be a disaster on a scale we have not seen in generations when you have potentially 15,000 Americans who could end up as prisoners of war, hostages, or even get executed depending on the work they did. Some of these people, probably security and defense contractors. We've already seen the Taliban execute Afghan commandos who surrendered. Where is the Biden administration? Well, Joe Biden's lying on TV. Lying on TV, everyone is tearing into him. Even the media, the Democrats, uh, I should say Democrat-supported media are tearing into him. The administration itself. Where's Kamala? New York Post says last person in the room, Harris silent, six days amid Afghan pullout chaos. I will, I will absolutely state first and foremost, I believe it was the right thing to do to get out of Afghanistan I think at this point, everybody recognizes it. Even Joe Biden was forced to come out and say, look, nation building didn't work. These people couldn't defend themselves. It was, a, it, you know, the, the problem is Biden came out months ago saying, I mean, well, we got 300,000, uh, you know, security forces for Afghanistan as strong as any army. They'll, they'll be fine. This won't happen. Apparently, Joe Biden, the Biden administration pulled out of, 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 of many of these cities before evacuating Americans. This is, look, you're not going to come to me and blame Trump for this. 14 months to prepare. Joe Biden campaigned. He was running for the presidency. 
He knew, we all knew what Trump had negotiated. We all knew what was to come this year. And Biden said to the American people, I would like to be in charge while that happens. Why didn't they plan for this? Where are they now? Hiding. They're literally hiding right now. When you start seeing images appear on TV of Americans begging for their lives, this is going to be, I think this is going to go down in history as something more than Saigon. I wasn't alive for Saigon. I don't, I don't remember the cultural impacts. It's interesting. It's interesting how that works in a society, right? I know a lot of people who weren't alive during 9-11. That's crazy. I remember sitting there watching it happen. This is going to be maybe the black swan event that Palantir was talking about. Maybe it is Afghanistan. Maybe this, this, this crisis will persist months down the road with horrifying imagery emerging, sending a shockwave through, the America, uh, through, through America, which could result in, in, in a ripple effect towards confidence in markets. Maybe not. Maybe it's a stretch. Where, where are they at? Kamala Harris, silent. Let me, show you, let, me, let me show you more. We got Jack Posobiec saying, Millie is considering falling on his sword for Austin and retiring post-evacuation per Pentagon official. Milley also privately telling officers he wishes 45 was back despite the bad blood. What? Now, I'm sorry, man. We, we, you know, we, 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 we had Jack on the show. He's a frequent guest, Timcast IRL. But Jack, you expect me to believe that woke Mark Milley is wishing Donald Trump was back? You know what? I can't believe it. At a time when the administration seems to be collapsing, and people are jumping ship. We, we are hearing Milley saying he wants Trump back. Yeah, because where's Joe Biden? Where is Joe Biden? Take a look at this. Cernovich, check the timestamps. Jack Posobiec tweeted at 1.25 p.m. on the 8th, just yesterday, Biden is telling staff he wants to go back to Delaware. Hasn't been sleeping well this week. Thinks he will be more functional if he stays over at home in Wilmington. And then just shy of an hour later, WMAL News reports President Biden, who has spent the last few days traveling between the White House and Camp David, is scheduled to head to Delaware for a long weekend. That's according to the FAA's website. I think Jack's sources are correct. Jack, not not every single scoop scoop he has comes true. He had one where he said they were they were talking about doing lockdowns in the U.S. Hasn't panned out so far, but not to say it won't. But in this regard. Yeah, I, I would believe it. I would absolutely believe there are people in the White House right now saying we need Trump. You know, here's what I here's the way I explained it. Trump had a problem. He had a, he, Trump talked to the press so much it hurt him. He wouldn't shut up. He'd tweet like crazy. And he'd go and give interviews to, to, to these, these people who hated his guts. It's better than what Joe Biden is doing. It's better than what Kamala Harris is doing. Where's Jen Psaki on vacation? I know that they've got uh, the Pentagon, uh, you know, giving statements. And I know they've got, uh, uh, you know, people giving statements. But it's like the leadership is just fractured. Fractured. Check this out. Biden is slammed for claiming Kabul chaos was inevitable after months of saying it was not. Irritable President snaps in car crash interview over questions on Afghans falling from planes. You know what he said? That was four or five days ago. <laughs> what? Wow. For all the stupid things Trump had said, the things that I, I, I hated that he had said or done, I don't see Trump being, 
you know, when, when, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, he said, wow, you know, she was tremendous, uh, you know, uh, historical figure. It's a great loss. I, 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 I can't say I'm surprised by this. When you vote to elect against, you are not voting for, you vote for anything and you vote for this insanity. It's incredible, isn't it? Biden, Kamala, Millie. It's, 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 look at this tweet. Look at this one from Joe Concha. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain can't bring himself to be interviewed or questioned in any capacity. A theme for this White House during the crisis. But has, in the last 24 hours, been retweeting Jen Rubin, Joe Walsh, John Harwood, and Aaron Rupar. This is what you get. This is, uh, this is what people voted for. Let's get serious. From NBC News, up to 15,000 Americans remain in Afghanistan after Taliban takeover. U.S. officials said about 1,100 U.S. citizens, permanent residents, and their families were evacuated on 13 flights on Tuesday. And what did we see? I can't necessarily blame the U.S. government for, entirely, for this entirely or the Biden administration, but we're seeing the evacuation of, of Afghan citizens before American citizens. I know it's, it's probably simple to say for a lot of people to look at the surface and say, that shouldn't happen. We should get the Americans out. The problem is not all of the Americans are sitting there in Kabul waiting to get on a plane. It's not like Joe Biden said, you know, hold on, you Americans, you can't leave. We're going to bring the Afghans out. They got the people on the planes that could get on the planes. And now the real problem with this is uh, it comes down to the actions taken by the Biden administration, which resulted in many Americans remaining in Afghanistan being trapped in Afghanistan because they botched the withdrawal. Now, I have heard that there was advanced warning about the withdrawal. And to be fair, most people knew, especially if you were in Afghanistan, that the U.S. was planning on withdrawing from Afghanistan. You could have gotten out. In fact, there was one guy went on TV. He flew there like a week or so ago. It's like, what are you doing? We all knew this was coming. We're way past the deadline. I'm not going to blame Biden for everything. I'm not going to I'm not going to play Biden derangement syndrome. I'm going to be honest. I like that that he he decided to go forward with with with, with the withdrawal and to get our our presence out of Afghanistan. I don't like that he's clearly screwing it up. We had Forrest Cooper on last night. He was an army ranger in Afghanistan. We had Jack Posobiec. He was uh, I believe Jack was naval intelligence, I could be wrong. So these are guys who have experience with deployment and but, but Forrest more specifically in Afghanistan. You know, he's talking about how he knows these areas in these videos. He remembers being there. He knows what it's like. And it's it's devastating for all of these people who serve to watch what's happening. And he absolutely said, yes, this could have been done in a way that did not result in what we're seeing now. But you know what the problem is? Mark Milley, more concerned about white rage than figuring out an exit strategy when you know you had a deadline. And as you've, as you've probably seen from the Matt Zeller uh, interview, this guy is working with getting um, our allies, interpreters and things like that in Afghanistan out. And he said they didn't plan for any contingencies because they had been telling them for years, here's what you need to be doing. And what, it, what was it really about? They didn't want to look bad. If you are more worried about your appearances, then you're going to look bad. It reminds me of the people who do like the uh, vanity muscle workouts, you know, just to look good. And it's like you got to actually actually here's a good example. You've got the people who are like strongmen and they, and they work out the vanity muscles and they look all great. But do they actually have the strength? 
Go watch a strongman competition and look at the massive abdominal muscles. These guys don't look like Arnold or any of these big muscle men. They probably people would assume they were obese, but it's just muscle in every way. The point I'm trying to make is if you don't plan, you plan to fail. And all their plan was was to not look bad. I'm sure you know, you know what I think. I bet they were relying. Well, we can trust the media will just say good things about us no matter what. and We don't got to worry about it. 15,000 Americans. What do you think is going to be happening? Check this out from Newsweek. Biden's decision to delay Afghanistan withdrawal to 9-11 could escalate Taliban conflict. This is Newsweek telling us outright. They we've known for some time. The withdrawal was a bad idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, withdra- the, the delay of the withdrawal. The withdrawal was a good idea. The delay of the withdrawal was a bad idea. And we've known that. And the Taliban threatened to, to engage in violent actions because of it. How is it that Biden delayed not even till 9-11? He just till now with no plan. And now there's just where are they? Daily Mail. Closing Bagram Air Base was a recipe for disaster. Army veteran turned terrorism analyst calls for CENTCOM commander to be fired for dumpster fire plan to choose Kabul airport to evacuate thousands of people. Security experts said Bagram Air Base would have provided a secure hub, but it was closed in early July when U.S. forces slipped out at night. Americans must instead try to reach Kabul's airport, which is ringed by the Taliban. The result has been chaotic scenes at Hamid Karzai International Airport and growing questions about Biden's administration emergency plan. Bill Raggio said you do not put your primary evacuation airstrip at an airport inside a city with 4.5 million people. What were they thinking? Rep. Mike Walt said Bagram had more space for keeping people safe. But General Mark Milley said his orders were to secure the embassy, and he did not have enough troops to hold Bagram. They could have been taking care of this in April. When we knew these things were coming, the U.S. could have said we are going to be flying people out this month from the month of April to May. If you do not, you know, by then forever hold your peace. They could have started doing all of the evacuations. We didn't even call them evacuations. Instead, they delay. They wait till the last minute and then nowhere to be found. Now they're just lying, I guess. Callous comments. Now, I want to point something out, though, because I'm not playing Biden derangement syndrome. Shelby Talcott says Biden says he doesn't think the Taliban has changed before adding that they're going through sort of an existential crisis. I'm not sure I would have predicted that when we decided to leave that they'd provide safe passage for Americans to get out. Are they? Now, it may not be as as, as bad as, you know, I think it might. I don't know. Look, it, it may not be that bad. It's bad what's happening for sure. My fear is that with 15,000 Americans still in, we could start seeing really horrifying images emerge in the news of what's happening to these American citizens, and it will not stop. It will ring for months. There'll be story after story, family after family. Now, it's possible, because I'm not, I'm not here to play stupid games. It's possible. The Taliban is recognizing they are about to inherit American infrastructure, weaponry, industry, and I mean, it's in Afghanistan, it's, Af- it's, it's Afghanistan, you know, stuff, but it's like unbuilt by the Americans and they might want to be viewed as legitimate, in which case they're going to have to make some concessions. 
if they start executing Americans, which is very possible in my opinion, that will very seriously harm their uh, standing on the world stage. But Biden also said he's not sure they actually care. They're going through a sort of an existential crisis. I don't disagree um, completely. And I think people are too quick to just be like, ah, he said a thing, it's bad. Every time Trump said something, they said it was bad. No, 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 no. I'll criticize Biden for lying. I'll criticize Biden for saying that was, that was four or five days ago. I'll criticize Kamala Harris for fleeing, Mark Milley for being more concerned with white rage. But if Joe Biden says something, let's, let's, let's actually criti- be, uh, uh, approach it critically. The Taliban has an opportunity for international recognition. The question is, are they going to try it? Now, look, I'm not saying that they're going to walk in with smiles on their, you know, on their faces and everything will be fine. They're already beating and whipping and killing people. And they've been for the past several weeks. So will they actually accomplish that? I don't think is possible, in which case my fear is that although I would say, OK, I'm listening, I hear the argument, they've already done enough to where no one's going to care. They care more about their ideology than they do about what some other nation thinks of them. And I'm sure they feel that there will be many people of their faith who will defend and support them in what they're about to do. I mean, the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan is what they call themselves. So where is everybody? Where is Joe Biden? Where, where are they at? The Daily Mail says President Biden has been slammed for the bald faced lie that chaos in Kabul during the final stages of the U.S. withdrawal was, was inevitable after saying for months it was not. The president's performance was blasted from all arenas with Republicans and Democrats branding Biden shameful and calling for him to take responsibility for the scenes of violence and disorder in recent days as thousands attempted to flee while the Taliban advanced. Biden was criticized for having no urgency in tackling the crisis, while others said the president was impotent and dishonest after his interview with ABC News on Wednesday. In the interview with George Stephanopoulos, Biden expressed disbelief. There was a way to have gotten out with uh, gotten out with chaos and said he did not think the withdrawal could have been handled without mistakes. He said the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing. I don't know how that happens. That's because you're bad at your job and because people elected someone who doesn't know what he's doing. That's what happened. I just I just had an army ranger on the show. He, he, he tells me straight up. Yeah, here's what we could have done. We've got multi, we got opinions from tons of people. Look, we got we got uh, one analyst saying, "Why didn't you use Bagram Air Force Base instead of the civilian airport?" Now the Americans can't get out. But uh, but Mark Milley says, "I was given orders to protect the embassy." And there it is. Joe Biden made the call to act. This is just. They say six weeks ago at the White House briefing on July 8th, Biden said the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan was not inevitable. He said that the drawdown was proceeding in a secure and orderly way. At the time, he also said he trusted the Afghan military because they were the most competent. They were more competent in terms of conducting war than the Taliban. And at the same time, denied claims the intelligence community expected the Afghan government to collapse. I want to make clear that we won't just walk away and not sustain their ability to maintain a force, he added on July 8th. However, in last night's ABC interview, Biden appeared pleasantly surprised the Taliban was letting the U.S. evacuate Americans in Afghan- uh, from Afghanistan without issue, but said his administration was having more difficulty evacuating Afghanis who helped the U.S. military and now have Taliban target on their targets on their backs. Biden snapped back at Stephanopoulos when he was questioned about footage of two Afghans falling to their deaths. 
brushing off the harrowing images because they were four days ago, five days ago. Disgusting. So I want to go back to what Biden said about the existential crisis and make this point. The Taliban may. They may be thinking. Get the Americans out of our country. That's it. You find them, you get them out. And it may be that they won't harm Americans. I certainly hope so, because I hope you, I hope you are all prepared for what happens if we start seeing images that the Taliban says we don't care anymore. Maybe they want PR. Maybe they want the propaganda and they want to show what they can do to Americans. That will be a nightmare. I think in the long run, if the Taliban wants to maintain control, they would need to get not just the Americans out, but the Afghan you know, allies, the, pe- the people who worked in uh, the Afghan, Afghan citizens who helped the U.S., they should be like, you can leave. They've promised amnesty. I don't believe it. We've already seen videos of people being beaten, people being shot. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think there will be stability in this, and I think the risk is great. I don't think they have a strong enough command structure. I think you are going to get people who are just going to be like, I don't care what they say. And they'll just. They'll go after whoever they go after. I hope you're ready for these images, and I hope you realize what it means that the administration appears to be crumbling and running and cowering, or at least Biden came on TV. I can respect that. I can. And then he lies. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I would say that I talk about food shortages a lot, but I don't. I talk about them maybe like once a month, if that, but it kind of feels like I talk about it a lot simply because no one else talks about it. And I find that very, very strange because the food shortages are getting worse. The Biden administration is going to be paying more in, more money for food benefits because the price of food is also going up. The labor, short, the labor shortage is not abating. It is only getting worse. And yet I still have these like leftists and Democrats, yes, even leftists, mocking me because one of the sponsors of this show and, uh, and Timcast IRL is an emergency food supply company. But food is slowly starting to disappear for a variety of reasons. I compiled a series of tweets, 16 different stories about food prices going up or restaurants being forced to close, things like labor shortages. And it was a simple five minute, not even five minutes. I just Google searched it. There's a story about some place called Nando's in the UK. 50 locations are being shut down. It's a fast food restaurant. They're being shut down because they have no chicken. This past weekend, while we were filming the vlog, we went to Starbucks and they have they had a sign on the drive through saying these items are no longer available. So I decided to look into this because if you if you've been following me and you've seen all of my videos, you know this, but not everybody watches every single video I do. And the mainstream media is not running this news cycle for obvious reasons right now. I get it. Afghanistan. But when it comes to the economy, the media keeps saying you've got many, many. I don't want to say the media, but many media outlets saying everything's fine. Recovery is here. Look at all the jobs we have. It's like they're sweeping it under the rug. And there's not a national conversation about the economy burning to the ground. And then you get to see, I included to the end of this Twitter thread, the Democrat voter base, based on Joe Biden being president, now believes that the economy is good. Let me, like, you know what? I'm just going to show you immediately. I know I mentioned this quite a bit, but let me show you. Let me just go through this data from civics. How would you rate the condition of the national economy right now? Party, Democrat. To be fair, during the Trump years, Democrats did think the economy was fairly good, though it was declining over time. 
There was a small dip when Trump got elected. All of a sudden, Democrats, some of them about what it looks like, maybe like seven or eight percent were like, oh, the economy's bad now. Okay, sure. When COVID hit and the market crashed, Democrats immediately started to believe the economy was bad. And to be fair, Republicans and independent voters did as well. I can respect that. But something is unique among Democrats. When Donald Trump gets elected, uh, gets it's uh, I'm sorry, when Joe Biden gets inaugurated, the, the Democrats who believe the economy is very bad drops dramatically. And the Democrats who think the economy is good skyrockets to 57% today. The only way you could believe the economy is good right now is if you are not paying attention or you are living in a fictitious reality. The people who are glued to MSNBC and CNN and they're being told lies and other trash garbage and they believe it. And then there are people who read local news, independent voters who get more, uh, get information from more than just these mainstream news outlets, these high profile national outlets that aren't talking about this. And then you'll see these stories. Now, what I want to get to, what's causing the food shortage? It's not just Joe Biden. I actually, at TimCast.com, we actually had one of our reporters start digging into the, the, the variety of reasons as to why there is a food shortage. And it's a perfect storm, my friends, but it's something you need to know about. Look at this story first. Let me go through the stories and show you. This is from August 15th. Portland restaurants struggle to get food product amid pandemic-related shortages. There could be a turkey shortage this, th- this Thanksgiving. This is from about two days ago. Nando's closes 45 restaurants after running short of chicken. Rogue Valley restaurants facing severe shortage as COVID. The restaurants are facing shortages. Check this out. Burger King Popeye's owner says labor shortages driving up beef costs. It's not just about the food shortage. It's a labor shortage and the food and the food prices. This is economic disaster. From the Mountain Times, Woodstock struggles to solve restaurant shortage. Yep, that's right. Can't bring more food down. Understaffed Colorado restaurants may need years to recover. Taco Bell is facing a food shortage. Pandemic Eric food prices persist from Spectrum. Food shortages across uh, across shops in the Channel Islands. This is in the UK. UK pandemic raises fears of food shortages. Getting answers how food shortage could impact local school. UK supply chain on edge. KFC crisis missing items from menu. Supply chain woes come to school cafeterias. Green Bay caterers battle a food supply shortage. These are local stories. The national outs don't talk about this. And of course, you would think seeing all of these things, you'd be like, wow, something's wrong with our economy. For some reason, independents and Republicans will accept it and say the economy is not doing well. Four million resignations in April and more coming. More job openings than people joining the workforce. And the media ignores the, 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 first por- uh, the, the first portion and just says, look at all the people joining the workforce. So what's going on? What's going on? From TimCast.com. Staple food items in short supply in the U.S. Because of pandemic lockdowns, dramatic shifts in consumer behavior have caused shortages at the food supply in, uh, as the food supply industry struggles to keep up. So this is effectively a breakdown of what's happening. But let's go through it so you can better understand. After nearly a year and a half of COVID-19 restrictions, the American food supply chain is struggling. Lockdowns in the U.S. and abroad have sparked disruptions to the food supply industry that make a full recovery seem like a distant goal. 
The food supply chain weaves together domestic and international components. When one link is handicapped or worse closed, shockwaves reverberate through the system and can take take out a link somewhere else, thereby compounding the problem. One study found that supply chain disruptions cost U.S. and European businesses up to four trillion in 2020. This is what I was saying before about uh, two things about shutting down the economy was a mistake because it's like slamming a fr- stopping a freight train by slamming it into a brick wall, like a or I shouldn't say brick, into a gigantic mountainside. Bam, mountain's not moving. You've got all of these different links being disrupted. And because of that, the system can't just immediately recover. When Americans were told to stay home in March of 2020 and social distancing mandates were enacted, restaurants suffered. While some shifted to takeout and food delivery, many restaurants let go of their staff and in some cases permanently closed their doors, making everything just seemingly impossible. It's not just about the fact that the supply chain was disrupted. The other issue is that demand starts right back up, but there's there's nothing there. The freight train has been derailed. There's, you're not, there's nothing to wait for. Now, that whole disruption is the other issue. It's the surface level of this, that people are looking at Taco Bell and, and, and McDonald's and being like, hey, it's just Taco Bell, McDonald's, who cares? Not realizing that these shortages are indicative of something greater. The train wasn't just carrying burritos for you. It was carrying raw materials. It was carrying workers. It was carrying everything needed. It was the economy. It's not carrying those things anymore. At home. So here's some of the reasons. Many uh, Americans at home, Americans began buying more groceries, including flour, when baking became a a favorite pandemic hobby. The sudden concentrated uptick in consumer purchasing led to high demand. Flour producers didn't have the means to expedite production, especially as plants struggled to meet new social distancing standards. Packaging products became difficult when cardboard went through its own scarcity because of internal shipping issues. Distribution was handicapped by staffing shortages and rising fuel prices. In short, the nation slid into a flour shortage during 2020. Across the food industry, this cycle repeated itself, often with more unforeseen variables. Not only did poultry demands and shipping costs zigzag during the past year, but the industry doesn't have enough products. This is in part because of the winter storms that hit the region of the country that has the most poultry farms during 2020. Additionally, Tyson Food, the world's largest, I'm sorry, the the world's second largest processor of chicken, beef and pork, has had a staggering 10,000 employees infected with COVID, causing major disruption in operations per eat this, not that. But all of this is indicative of one thing, the shutdowns, the restrictions and the lockdowns. That's what's causing this. That was probably obvious to all of you, but at least I can give you the more specifics on this. There is no reason to believe that as the Delta variant dominates the news, this will lighten up. So I am telling you this now, and the reason why I'm covering the story and had one of our reporters jump on the story. There may come a point where a can of beans costs 10 bucks. Just the other day, what is it? Was a pound of ground beef was like $8. A gallon of milk was $5. Prices are going up because there is going to be a scarcity. There is. I'm sorry. It's It's coming. They're printing more money and giving more free money to people. Those people then extract food and other resources from the system and they don't replace it. If that keeps up, eventually there is nothing left to extract. And I ask you then, what will you eat? Let me know what you think you're going to eat. 
meat processing plants, as well as other packaging facilities are not designed to accommodate social distancing requirements, which slowed production in many locations. Smithfield, the nation's largest pork producer, warned the public about impending shortages after its facility was closed for similar reasons earlier this year. Deli meats in particular require more people to slice and package, making more complicated products to produce when there are staff shortages caused by COVID outbreaks or social distancing practices in place. Industry experts are warning that meats of all cuts will be in short supply this year. Then, a wave of restaurant reopenings after the vaccine rollout further stressed the food supply chain as previously shuttered and shrunken businesses rushed to capitalize on new crowds. The disruption and changes in delivery patterns are driving up transportation costs because the specialized refrigerated truck trailers needed to transport food are in such high demand or out of position. International shipping was crushed when shipping container prices skyrocketed due to short supply. When the world went into lockdown, orders for new containers were canceled. China began aggressively recalling containers so that three out of four containers were going back to Asia empty. The slowed global economy meant containers necessary to ship food and other consumer goods weren't available when they were needed. Mark Yeager, the chief executive officer of Redwood Logistics, told CNBC that there are about 180 million containers worldwide, but they're in the wrong place. This means everyday items in the grocery store will become more expensive or more scarce, the U.S. Department of Agriculture noted. 70% of the garlic consumed in the U.S. comes from China. Because of the expense of internal shipping triggered by COVID lockdowns, garlic prices have risen 30%. Consumers can expect to see shortages of canned beer and soda, fresh produce, ketchup, hot dogs, bacon, imported foods such as coffee, olive oil, and seafood, corn, and cheese. Industry experts have also said that other popular consumer products will be in short supply for the rest of 2021. This includes toilet paper, tampons, diapers, plastic bags, chlorine, steel, furniture, computer chips, and cleaning products. The FDA also has a list of what medicines are currently in short supply. There are currently no nationwide shortages of food, although in some cases the inventory of certain foods at your grocery store might be temporarily low because before stores can restock. Food production and manufacturing are widely dispersed throughout the U.S., and there are currently no widespread disruptions reported in the supply chain, the USDA said in a statement. What? That to me is insane. Go to Starbucks. You'll see the items they say are in short supply. Go to Taco Bell on their website. Items in short supply. There's no food. No, just like with the gas. Remember when they were like, there's no gas shortage, but your gas station had no gas. Oh, well, what they mean to say is the producers are producing. You just can't get any in your area. That's not a shortage. Was there a shortage before when you were able to go to your gas station and they had gas? There is. You see, here's the semantic game they're playing. When it came to gasoline, there's a trucker shortage. So the truckers can't transport the gas. So there's technically no shortage of gas. We got a bunch. We just can't get it to your gas station, which means your gas station has a gas shortage, doesn't it? Your local restaurants have food shortages. And to those in the UK, Nando's, 50 of your stores just shut down because there's a shortage. But they're talking about the US still. They're wrong. Supply chain disruptions and changes in consumer purchasing habits have changed rapidly since the onset of COVID-19. While some areas of the industry may be able to meet new production demands, it is difficult to predict when raw materials will become available or when shipments will be able to reach distributors. Well, there you go, my friends. There's no sign of abatement. There's certainly the chaos that is the Biden administration. 
It, it is it is it is chaos. It is absolute chaos. Do you think they can handle a crisis like this while they're dealing with Afghanistan, while they're dealing with the border crisis? This is an inept, one of the most pathetic administrations we have ever seen. Well, I've ever seen. I'm 35. Maybe y'all are older and you've seen some pretty pathetic administrations. Like I hear Carter was bad, wasn't alive for it, though. But boy, is this a, a fumbling, bumbling, ridiculous administration, which brings me back to that post I made showing the, the polling, the Democrat voters who for some reason believe the economy is good. I just can't. I can't believe this. After everything I can show. And then this global stock markets plunge into red as oil prices slide. Fears mount over Delta variant and the U.S. Fed hints monetary stimulus could be pulled sooner than expected. They still believe the economy is good. Why? Why won't these people snap out of it? What are they doing? Believing that. Wow. Oh, no, 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 no. The, it's, it's all good. You know, the FTSE 100 down 2% earlier amid global fears of COVID and monetary stimulus. And they're, and they're being asked, you think the economy's good? That's oh, great. It's great. It's, it's great. The economy is better than ever. Yeah, I went to Starbucks. I couldn't get the coffee I wanted. Um, you know, smoothie place was close. I'll tell you this. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what really grinds my gears. I did not want coffee. I wanted a smoothie. Well, actually, I was going to get a coffee smoothie, to be fair. Um, what I wanted was an almond milk coffee smoothie. Um, I don't know exactly what they put in it. It's just ice, I guess. So it was, I, guess you, I guess it's kind of like a frap. But uh, the smoothie place has it. It's like a, it's like a keto, uh, high fat kind of thing. And um, it sounded really good. And we pulled up in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. And there was a sign on the door saying, we cannot open. No people. It's, it's going to start happening this way. Already, I have gone to restaurants and we were surprised to see that on Google, they're listed as being open. And then you see a sign on the door saying, due to a labor shortage, we have, we have no choice but to close. Who would run the place? No one. And then we were like, okay, well, where do we go? We wanted, you know, some kind of like cold, healthy drink. Starbucks, I guess. I wouldn't call it healthy. We pull into the driveway and there was a sign taped to the drive through saying, here are the items that we, we don't have due to the shortage. The global markets are taking a dip. Even outside of the article, is it really interesting? You can see the UK market, the FTSE 100 and the pound dropping, 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 dropping because the economy is not doing good. They say shares on the London Stock Exchange took a hammering earlier today amid concerns that global growth is slowing. The Delta variant of COVID-19 is spreading and central banks will pull monetary stimulus sooner than expected. Uh, we had a credit cardiac arrest, as it's called, back in 2008. And since then, we have been on life support. The central banks are flooding money to the system to keep people buying, but things aren't getting made. And then COVID happens. And I have to wonder if all, everything they're doing has more to do with the fact that they knew the global financial system is about to implode. Palantir just bought $50 million worth of gold bars, 100 ounce gold bars. Amazing. You know, Palantir is it's the Lord of the Rings, the seeing stones or whatever. And they're a data analysis company. And something they saw said to made them be like, we should start accepting gold as payment. And 
we probably should buy a whole bunch of gold. So I bought gold. I saw that and I was like, okay. They also announced like a little while ago they accept Bitcoin, I guess. And so I'm like, well, Bitcoin, yes. Crypto, yes. Mostly Bitcoin. I think I think of other cryptos mostly as like investing, like buying a stock almost because Bitcoin's very, very different. Bitcoin is, is true crypto. The other cryptos are basically like company assets, you know, whatever, freely traded. They're like stocks. We'll see what happens with that. Gold is good though. Definitely gold is good. I have most, I have, I have silver and gold. Uh, not like a crazy amount, but I'm considering getting more. It's just because like even, here's what you got to consider too. Like one, one ounce of silver, I think right now is between like 23 and like 30 bucks, depending on where you're trading it. And so if you were going to buy a candy bar from somebody, they're going to need to give you change for your ounce of silver. So you probably want like 10th of an ounce. And then that's, that's the other thing with gold too. Like you buy a gold coin, it's like two grand basically. Like one gold coin is like two grand. What are you going to do with one gold coin? You're going to be like, I'd like to buy that, you know, cheeseburger. Okay, that'll be like one one hundredth of a gold coin. And you're like, I have $2,000. How are they going to break it for you? There is something interesting called the Utah Goldback. It's a gold foil. It's one one hundredth of an ounce, I believe. Is it maybe? I think it's one one hundredth. Or maybe it's one one thousandth. I think it's one one thousandth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not one one hundredth. And um, they're, they're technically worth a little bit more than their, than their weight in gold because they're designed and sealed in polymer so that they can, you know, they don't rip because it's just thin gold foil. But it makes it really easy to distribute, you know, or trade gold. It's not a currency. It's just something I, something I saw on the internet. I was like, that's cool. It's just like a piece of gold foil. So it's be no different than having like a gold nugget or something. I bought some gold. I wouldn't say I, you know, I'm going to break the bank. You know, Alex Jones was always yelling, buy your gold, people. Well, you know, gold is good if the U.S. economy or the global economy is going to collapse. But I'll tell you, if there's going to be a major apocalypse, buy water. <laughs> Secure your access to water. You know, when the apocalypse happens, when the apocalypse happens, I assume it'll happen at some point. I don't know if in our, in our lifetimes. Um, what's gold going to get you? I'm, I'm, that's why I always tell people there's a food shortage, right? The USDA is saying there's not, there's not, it's just not getting to you. Okay, well, in some areas, there's a food shortage of certain foods. I guess you can say overall there's food for people, but some foods not available. You see a guy on the side of the road and he's like, got a sandwich. And then you're like, ooh, I want that sandwich. I will trade you this year gold for that sandwich. Dude's going to be like, what am I going to do with gold? Like in the apocalypse, I got a sandwich. I'm hungry. There's another guy who's got a bottle of water and he says, I got water. I will, tr- I will split my water with you for half your sandwich. And then they're like, works for me because water, water will, will be worth way more than gold in the event of an actual economic collapse. Who will maintain the plumbing systems of these cities? Uh, you look at what happened with Flint. You look at what happens in Detroit. They can't maintain these massive systems. You need maintenance. So what happens? People will flood to rivers and streams and get dirty water. Yeah, probably. And then what about places like New York where... Most people, they have no idea where that water comes from. That'll be really interesting. I believe it comes from up north. It flows down from like, what is it, the Adirondacks or something? But for a lot of people, if the water system isn't maintained and starts breaking down, it's going to be bad. But I don't know, man. All I can really say is I think you are nuts if you think the economy is doing well. You're not paying attention. But perhaps these people live in a bubble and as long as Joe Biden's picture's on the wall of their post office or whatever, they're like, economy is better than ever. And everyone else is like, that's strange. I can't get chicken anymore. My beef costs doubled. Local brisket, local barbecue shop canceled their brisket. You see my Instagram post? Because they were like the price of beef doubled. So we can't carry it anymore because nobody wants to buy it. 
It went down a little bit and they came back, but I'm telling you. So we, we, we did this. We compiled all the reasons. It's a combination of factors. I hope this was valuable to you and I hope you're paying attention, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.